When the new electricity and gas bills come through the post this week, ask yourself the following question. Are you really paying the right amount for your energy? Do you really need to pay, if you're an average household, £2,000 a year for your energy suppliers? Is this really the right answer? Well, I've got news for you. No, it isn't the right answer and you will be paying too much. And how do I know that? Well, I'll take you through the building blocks of your bill, what makes up that £2,000. And I'll take you through the points which I made over five years ago in the cost of energy review, which the government chose to ignore, but obviously couldn't ignore the consequences that would follow if they didn't implement the necessary reforms. So take a look at your bill and think about all the components that make up that bill. There's the cost of generating the electricity. All those wind turbines, nuclear power stations, gas power stations and so on. There's a cost of your local networks, the so-called distribution network operators, the DNOs. There's the cost of national transmission. And all of that, of course, has its extra costs associated with the need to deal with the intermittency, in particularly of the offshore wind. Then there's supply. All those suppliers that have recently been going bust, their costs to bill you and to read the meters and so on. And then on top of all of that, there's a whole series of what might be called taxes or tariffs on you for subsidies to past renewables, not future renewables. So the question to ask yourself in each of those boxes is, are the costs the same as the price you're being charged? And are those costs reasonable or are they excessive? And the first thing to say is that on generation, although it's true that the gas price has gone up a lot on international markets, huge amount, it's also true that a lot of the electricity that uh, your household will be using comes not from gas, but from wind turbines, solar panels, nuclear power stations, and even burning wood pellets up at the Drax power station. Now, the costs of doing all of that have not changed one iota because the gas price has gone up. And so for half or more of your energy, the gas price has got nothing to do with the costs. And it is pretty odd to charge the price of gas into the electricity market so that the price you pay for that nuclear and other non-gas generation is the same as you'd pay for a gas turbine. You're paying a premium to the price of gas because the electricity market is built around the marginal cost of gas, which is a legacy of the wholesale markets of the 20th century, not the new markets going towards net zero of the 21st century. So you should be pretty suspicious about that and put it the other way around. Those generators whose costs haven't gone up but are able to charge effectively the marginal price of gas into electricity are making a windfall profit. 
Nothing that they do has caused that profit, but they are reaping the benefits. Then you might turn to the networks. And you might be unfortunate enough, for example, to live in the northeast and have experienced the recent Storm Arwen, and in particular, the serious failures in performance that were apparent after Storm Arwen, when it took up to 10 days to reconnect customers to the networks. You might say, I'm paying all this money, but I'm not getting the service that I might reasonably expect. But I've got news for you. You really shouldn't be paying all that money either. Right back in the cost of energy review five years ago, I pointed out uh, some of the returns that were being earned in the distribution networks and suggest it was time to intervene and do something about that. Five years later, those returns are, uh, let's say, very generous. And there's no real good reason why you should be paying those at that level right now when you're struggling with the affordability of your bills. When it comes to supply, well... You've seen the collapse of, I think it's 28 or 29 companies. The reason for those collapses is that those companies did not contract forward. They didn't engage in hedging and long-term contracts. They took a punt on the idea the gas price would always fall and therefore that they would always be in the money and they grabbed market share. And the consequences of the mistakes they made have been apparent to you and me because we've all got to pay to mop up the mess when they relied on the bankruptcy constraint to escape their liabilities. And that's about 60 quid that you and I are paying simply for those failures. And why? I thought we had, or you might think, we had regulators who were supposed to prudentially make sure that companies with licences did what was on the tin. Well, it looks like the regulators were pretty much asleep at the wheel and you and I are paying for that. And you might also ask, so what do suppliers do for all this money that they're charging us? Does it really cost so much to bill you and get the money out of you to pass through the costs from distribution, transmission and so on, right through to you and me? I struggle with that just as I struggled with that when I did the cost of energy review. And then there's the legacy costs. You and I are paying for the much higher costs of renewables looking back into the past. Part of that was an argument that if we paid those costs up front, we would reap the benefits later in cheaper renewables for the future. Well, it's a very odd argument to say that even though the costs of renewables have fallen, rather like the costs of a huge number of things that you might buy from uh, technology, phones and so on, that you should pay what it cost them to make them years ago, now, and you shouldn't benefit from the prices of the lowest vintage of capital coming into the market, as you would in any normal market. In the cost of energy review, I suggested that that money should all go back into the treasuries side of the equation because these are socialised costs or should be socialised costs which should be on the tax base as essentially R&D rather than on your, your and I bills. We should see the benefits of falling renewables and renewables costs not pay effectively a tax and a higher price even when those costs are falling. 
add all that lot up and it's pretty hard to think that you really should be paying 2000 a year. In fact, and if you take the legacy costs out as, as well, it should be substantially less. And to get a small glimpse of some of the differences involved by looking at the costs of energy rather than the marginal price of gas, you only have to look across the channel to France. Now, France is unique in Europe in having very little gas in its electricity system. It's a 70-80% nuclear setup with quite a lot of hydro as well. So when the price shock came along, the French government was able to limit the price increases to 4%, not the enormous percentage increase that we're seeing here. The costs hadn't gone up, and therefore they didn't increase the prices. Now, EDF and others might say, well, you know, we could have sold that electricity at a much higher price into the European market. Yeah, they could have done. But that would have shown up as a huge windfall profit on the balance sheet of EDF. That of cost would be the same. They would have charged the, the market price of gas into Europe. The difference would have effectively accrued to the French state as a windfall since they own most of EDF. What's better? The citizens pay the costs of energy, including the costs of its nuclear, or they pay the market price and the French treasury is better off. I think it's pretty obvious the French government got it right. We're not there, of course. We don't have that kind of balance of nuclear in our system. But you can see the general point. The costs are not the same as the prices going forward. And that brings to the final bit in this equation, which is, well, why are we paying the marginal cost of gas? You know, we don't buy much from Mr. Putin. In fact, we produce 40% plus of our own gas. Well, the companies say, you know, that's the market price. Tough, you pay the market price. But that's not really right either. Because in the past, we used to have long-term contracts for North Sea gas, and we could have them now. You and I might like stable prices going forward and might want to avoid paying the spot price. I certainly do want to avoid that. And there's uh, no reason why you should face it either. So it's not even true that all the gas prices should be passed through into the electricity bill that you're paying. And indeed, looking forward, if there should be new licenses offshore for more gas production from new fields, my hunch is that what we should do is look for a quid pro quo for those licenses, which is a longer term contract to give stability to you and me and our bills. So when that bill comes through the door to you and you open it up and you look at horror at the size of that amount you're going to have to pay, you may think, oh, well, I've got a loan from the government for 200 quid. Well, let's see what that loan actually amounts to. And I've got a bit off my council tax bill. But that's really no supplement for paying the proper price, which in a competitive market is related to the cost. And the cost is not the same for everything as the marginal cost of gas. You're paying too much. You shouldn't be paying too much. The way to get to a proper cost-based electricity bill is to have a proper functioning 21st century market, a market that reflects costs and not simply the international price of gas. Your bill will go up. It has gone up. You will have to pay for all those renewables going forward. And you may even have to pay for nuclear. 
that you shouldn't be paying 2,000 now and you shouldn't be paying 3,000 in October. Thank you.